This is the Bullpen on 1027 ESPN with Patrick Osborne and Brandon Elkins. Opinions are welcome at 512-834-1027. Oh, yeah. Oh, hey, we are back, hey, baby. Guess what, man? We're in the studio We again. are live. All we right. cannot blame the lightning anymore. Oh, I mean, I could. I mean, you could, yeah, but hey, listen, you don't we were, need to. We were out of the studio for like two weeks. You know, we got hit by lightning. Listen, I, I had to do it at least once more time. Thank we you. We got hit by lightning, dude. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I heard. Right. We are back in the studio live with you once again here yeah, at the we bullpen are. on this post-Labor Day Tuesday edition. That is dude it across Tuesday? The, uh, it yeah, is Tuesday, it is. isn't it? That, that dude across the board from me. It's a been a weird That's weird. Brandon Elkin. Hey. That dude across the board from him. That's you. Patrick Osborne. You're Patrick Osborne. And you got us for the next hour here in the bullpen, and we are so glad to be here with you live on this Tuesday. As I'm glad uh, that CJ put a fan behind me because, holy moly, it's hellfire hot in here. A little stuffy in here. A little bit. I smell like, I smell like some bodies in here, too, when we walked in. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it happens, man. Uh, let's not think about that. Oh, I, I can't. No offense. To, I got the nose of a bloodhound. No offense to the two dudes before it's us. This fault. is a very small, unventilated room. Okay. Yeah, that's the way it works. That's just that's just the way it happens. That's radio, baby. Yeah. Well, they're not supposed to know that though. We're being a little. We're we're giving a little too much. Uh, a little TMI for them. Ah, oh, well, you know, no offense to the fellas. I mean, we're guys. We all stink, right? That's just part now, of being a dude. I'm looking in this room. I've never been. I've only been in this room once my entire career in this building. I never have. It's First uh, me, eight years. I've never been in this room before. It's interesting. Um, no, I'm clock not, of them I'm, all. I'm not really sure why we need this huge backdrop here to the to the left of me, the right of you of, of Lucy and, and radiant plumbing. Um, I don't know if we have like a do we have like a red star or a, a, a red carpet walkthrough in here that we have to take pictures here. Uh, it's possible. It's possible. Uh, all I know is that uh, we got to change this to uh, ESPM. Apparently, it's ESPM. ESPN. We're not ESPN. We're ESPM. And no <laughs> clock on the wall, so there's that too. So yeah, you know, bear, bear with us as we we just kind of guest guesstimate the times. Keep for staring at the computer. It's right in front of you. So we are now one day closer to Saturday's big big test. It's Bama week. The Texas Longhorns. It is indeed Bama week. Of course, it's going to be massive here on Saturday. Mm-hmm. ESPN game day. Longhorn Network. Who else? Uh, uh, Fox. Fox. Fox That's is right. doing their national broadcast. That's right. on so campus as well. L- lots of uh, big, uh, big affiliates, big outlet outfits around, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, lots of lots of expectation that, of course, Alabama is going to win, but also that uh, Texas is Texas going to give them hell. That there there is a growing expectation that what Alabama experienced this past weekend against uh, what was it Utah State? Utah State. Uh, they're fifty-five to to nothing blowout. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of belief that what they experienced over the weekend for for the tide, not at all didn't didn't prepare them whatsoever for what they're going to no. experience this weekend yeah. against the Longhorns. Much better, a talent. significant uptick in in competition. Which is funny because you say that, and and I I think about this. Alabama scored fifty five points that day. I know they didn't give up a score, which is really difficult to do in uh, football. But the fact that uh, they only scored fifty five against Utah State makes me think that. Maybe that maybe maybe Texas does have a, a better shot because what some of these some of these some of these teams out here scored seventy plus points against their opponents and I don't know I didn't watch the game I don't know if Alabama kind of you know took their foot off the gas or whatnot but I just felt like they probably could have scored more against Utah State if if they're that type of Bama team that we're thinking of why would you want to though like at some point you you're up fifty five points. You know, you don't want Look, you don't want your guys out there getting hurt anymore, right? When, or when, running the risk of getting hurt. Sure, 
And that's not to say that they mean to do that, but you still got to play out the rest of the game. You still got to play the game, and if they still can't stop you with five minutes left in the fourth quarter, you know you're not going to keep just going. You know, taking a knee every every down. Well, that's true. You got to you got to run the ball. That's and, true. And I don't know if this is the scenario, but if you run the ball and they can't stop you and you keep scoring, that's not your fault. So be it. Yeah, yeah. I agree. At it is point, what it is. At some point, yeah. If if you've got a a hellaciously porous defense. Yeah. That's on you. Yeah. That's on you. Listen, there are a lot of schools out there like Utah State that are just not going to be able to stop a school like Alabama ever, no matter any any given year. Fair. Right? Yeah. Uh, but when it comes to the Longhorns and their, their matchup this Saturday, uh, Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian, I mean, he knows the football world is focused on Austin yeah. this week. Literally. Right? Uh, this, is, this is the marquee matchup of the weekend. But he's also cautioning the Horns not to get too distracted by all this attention. They're going into this game 19-point underdogs at home, according to the Caesar Sportbook. 19. 19-point underdogs at home. Likely likely to close with their longest odds to win at home since 1978. Split between the uh, football bowl subdivision and the football championship subdivision. FBS, FCS split back sure. in 1978. We all remember those years. Biggest point spread. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Biggest underdogs. Uh, longest odds to win. Big opportunity, though, for also to see how uh, Sarkeesian's progress stacks up against his old boss, Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, a lot of expectation out there about uh, what's to come. A lot of concern about, uh, you know, whether or not the Horns can make it. But as far as uh, Sark sees it, it's just another game. It's, it's one game. You know, it's a chance for us to do what we love to do. You know, we only get 12 ops in the regular season every year to go play the game of football for all of the hard work these guys put in for nine months leading up to it. And then they get a chance to go perform. And we get a chance to do it at home in front of 100,000 unbelievable fans that will be here, I know, in, in great support. I want to make sure we enjoy the experience. That, that's what this one means. I want to make sure our guys feel confident enough because they're prepared really well to take in the moment and then go cut it loose and, and go play our style of football. And then after that, we'll, we'll get ready for the next one. And then after that one, then we'll get ready for Big 12 play. So I, I think one of, the, one of the biggest mistakes people make is like, this is going to be the game that's going to define our program. It might, it might not. I'm not that concerned about it. I'm more concerned about just the way we play the game said all along, my goal is to be in Dallas December 3rd. This game has no impact on that, right? It'd be great. It's an awesome opponent. I want to play really well. I, I want to make sure that our guys play our style of football, our brand of football, and do it the way that I know we're capable of doing it. I'm sure they're saying the same thing in their locker room, right? Because we don't impact them going to the SEC championship game either. But it's an awesome opportunity. Two good teams, two good coaching staffs, and in an unbelievable environment, it'd be a, it'd be a great setting for college football. Couldn't agree more. Absolutely. One of the best settings, if not the best setting of the of the entire week for college football. I mean, he just, he knows what to say. Yeah. He, he, he has the right answer just about every single time to, to appease most questions. And he's, he's looking at this with, with a realistic set of eyes. Yeah. My goal, he says, is the Big 12 championship. Mm-hmm. National championship would be great, but come on, you know. In the grand scheme of things, if they lose this game, it's one loss right. on the record. One and that's loss it. For, for Texas. And which is a significantly, uh, it's significantly less of a big deal for for the Longhorns as opposed to if the Tide puts up one. Honestly, it's really not a factor for either team because it doesn't affect the the further outcome of the season. Yeah, it may affect your confidence or or lack thereof, uh, depending. But yeah, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, this is just one win or one loss and. 
you're going to play it, and whatever happens, happens, and you're going to have to move on and play the rest of the season. Right. Now, of course, the Tide are a, a, a future SEC opponent mm-hmm. of the Texas Longhorns. It will count It soon. will. For right now, though, you're right. It's a non-conference it's a game. Little, what do you call it? Um, a, a, what do you call it? A soft opening or a... Or a sneak preview of a something like of that. a team that you're going to play every year, pretty much yeah. from now on. So Sark's really focused more on that which he can control. Uh, you know, he can't control the fact that this is a non-conference game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, he says, you know, all along my goal is to be in Dallas on December third. So he wants that Big Twelve championship. Now he spent three seasons as the assistant at Alabama, and when asked how Saturday's game against Nick Saban compares to facing another former boss in Pete Carroll back in 2009. Uh, Sark had an answer to that. Uh, back then, uh, his, his uh, Washington team upset, uh, then number three USC, uh, 16-13. Very similar scenario in that, you know, I'd worked for Pete Carroll for seven years and had a great deal of respect for what he did, you know, and what we were able to do in our time there. You know, again, I, I think it was buying into the idea of what the game plan was, where we needed to be from a psyche standpoint. One thing about that game that I remember vividly is we weathered a real storm early in that game. Uh, they might have had their first two drives. I think they might have rushed for about 130 yards. I mean, we didn't stop the run for anything the first two drives of the game. But our guys just kind of hung in there, and they, they, they fought, and they scratched, and they clawed. And next thing you know, it's a tie game in the fourth quarter, and you got a chance. And so I think inevitably, you know, that team at that time, very similar to this team at, at this time, buying into the idea of the, the, the idea that the work you put in throughout the week ultimately will carry over to game day. And guy once told me, you know, Culture, a lot of times, can have the opportunity to beat talent when the culture is really strong, when the chemistry is really strong. And so we got to make sure our chemistry is right Saturday as well, that we're playing as a team and not just talented individuals. And so that'll be a big focus of ours this week as well. Absolutely, it will be. I was at that game. Were you? I was at that game because it was at Husky Stadium. And, and it was very, very, very loud. Exciting game. Right? It was. It was a 16-13 game. It was... Uh, it was uh, what was it? It was thirteen to nothing. It was a lot of. It was a game of field goals, believe it or not, against USC. Uh, I think they were the number three team in the league at that time. USC was, yeah. yeah. And the score was uh, it was uh, thirteen to to ten at halftime. And you got to believe when you're that close against a team like that, you have the confidence, and when you have the culture, like we've talked about, like mm-hmm. he's talked about, Agnosium, that you believe. You believe in the person that you're following, who is leading you to the promised land of beating or upsetting a big-time opponent. And when you're in striking distance with two quarters left, you are going to work your ass off to make sure you win that game. Yep. And they were only down by three when the fourth quarter happened, when it was the fourth quarter, and they got two field goals to win the game. It was crazy. Yeah, it sounds It was like- loud. The whole place stormed the field. It was awesome. Sounds like a, a good, exciting game there. Um- Pete Carroll... <laughs> Uh, went to the Seahawks and the next season after this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, obviously, uh, Sark knows the psyche that he needs against this dominant Crimson He's been there. Program. He knows He's what needs there. to be done. He's been there. Now, when it comes to the psyche of the team and what the mentality uh, needs to be heading in to this week uh, against Bama, uh, so, uh, he also uh, he, he touched on that as well. The biggest thing for us is be enamored with us. One of the real challenges, like as, as Kurt just touched on, I think you can get caught up in being worried about Alabama. You can get caught up in being worried about game day being here. You can get caught up in being worried about Fox being here. You can get caught up in all the stuff that really is irrelevant to our ability to play good football. So we need to be enamored with us, focused on us, make sure that we're doing the things necessary to us to do our job really well. 
like our psyche's good. You know, anytime you win, it always feels pretty good. But then we give them a dose of reality on Monday morning of the things that we need to improve upon. I don't doubt our players want to play well on Saturday. It's them understanding that to play well on Saturday, you need to have a really good Monday, then a really good Tuesday, and then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, so on and so forth. And I think they really understand it. As youthful as we are at some spots, I think we've got some really key veteran players that understand it and that have really bought into the messaging from us. And the, the I don't want to call it the challenge, but one of the, the, the components to that as a leader is making sure that that permeates throughout our locker room and that the younger players can understand that too. Absolutely. Uh, it, it, I mean, it sounds to me like he's got he's he's got a, a, a real clear idea of of what he expects from not only his own guys mm-hmm. but from himself as well on this Saturday. Uh, but certainly downplaying the significance to some degree of this big, big, big matchup, probably the biggest matchup of uh, he of has the to. season because the because us and the, and the rest of the media has to hype it up as the biggest yeah that's our the job. biggest game of all time coming up. And it's his job to cool cool down everything that we keep talking about. Yeah, and yeah. look, he, you got the right guy for the job. That's well, all I'm saying. Coming off a five and seven season last year, too, uh, I don't think he's all that worried. You know, because it certainly he, is no, not. He the sure Texas doesn't Longhorns. sound like it. No, yeah. the Longhorns do not have anything to prove. Not at all. Not yet. And in fact, that that really kind of plays into to, to more mm-hmm. of, of what. Of of how he's looking at this game, how the Longhorns are going to approach it, yeah, and we will get into that and more on the way. Brandon Elkins, Patrick Osborne here in the bullpen. This is the bullpen with Patrick and Brandon on one zero two seven ESPN. That's right. It is the Tuesday edition of the bullpen. Brandon Elkins, Patrick Osborne, with you on this Tuesday afternoon. Talking a little Longhorn football, Alabama game coming up on Saturday. A lot of excitement, man. I mean, I'm really excited. I, I pretty much, I hate to say it like this, but I mean, it's pretty much a foregone conclusion how this game's going to end. Barring some sort of strange football oddity, anomaly, miracle, yeah. as it were. But uh, nevertheless, even if Texas comes out of this game, likely comes out of this game with an L, uh, I think that they can show a lot they can show us a whole lot mm-hmm. about what this team will do. This is breaking news from Elder Mitsubishi. Scott. And Lori here. Crazy. Whoa, guys. Whoa, 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 whoa. Sorry whoa. about that, Scott. We uh, are not ready for you yet. We'll have to get back to your, uh, your spot there momentarily, <laughs> Scott. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, forgive us. We're, we're, we're in this new yeah, studio. So new we're, studio. We're, we're, we're figuring things out. Board. Uh, but, yeah, we'll, we'll get back to your spot there, Scott. Just, Chill. Hey, patience, Chill, my Scott. friend. Patience. Scott Elder. We'll, we'll get to everything. We're not ready for you. Also, uh, Scott Elder, have you seen? You seen some of his commercials? Yes, Mitsubishi commercials. Yes, I'm just glad he's not the other uh, who who was it in town who got in trouble by the law recently. Our uh, other uh, famous uh, car salesman. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. I can't remember. I can't remember his name. You're talking about Mond. Yeah, Charles. Oh. Is it Charles Mond? Yeah, well, Eric Charles Mond. Eric yeah. Charles. Yeah. 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 No, uh, uh, Elder, Elder, he, uh, he's the one with those those great he's quirky. commercials yeah. where the dresses are like Walter White and stuff like that. I, I heard that Heisenberg. he had to, I heard that he was told to, to tone it down a bit. Was it really? I, I heard that ah, things have kind of changed because on. he had to tone it down a little bit because people were, you know, getting, not maybe not offended, but they were just like, you're, 
you're a little over the top. But well, why should you listen to those? Well, people? you know what? You yeah, know what happens? Probably working when you're when you're over the top, people remember you. Yeah, and then they come to your store because oh yeah, I remember you're the dude that dressed up like Heisenberg and and you know was, exactly talking to Mitsubishi on on TV. He's a gimmick. Yeah, I mean the fact that all you have to do is just say his name and I know who he is. Yeah, I don't know where any of his car dealerships are. I don't care. Nah, I have a car that I love. So. so he's the kind. He's the kind of guy who can get stuff sold. Because he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't dial back just because somebody criticized nah, me. No way. Hell no. He obviously knows he knows. Have his your stuff. fun. We're proud as we could proud as all could be to have him uh, on sponsoring. Just glad he's not time a, on our on our show. Glad he's not hiring hitmen like the other guy. Right, right. <laughs> Vastly different story over there in the Mon group. <laughs> um, so uh, before the break, we were talking uh, you know, Longhorn football and uh Coach Sarkeesian really downplaying uh, the impact of this now well mm-hmm. like we said mm-hmm. it is a non-conference game soon this will be a conference game but for now uh it is a non-conference game yeah. texas facing alabama for the first time since 2010 uh, the national championship game uh it's actually also the 10th time ever is that when colt should have been playing that's exactly right that's exactly and in fact sark actually brought that up uh, somebody asked him about it and uh he basically said that uh you know i think we all wish if colt was in the game what would have happened, mm-hmm. you know? Like, uh, but the first regular season matchup since 1922. Wow, Texas is seven. That's one. crazy to I know. think about. And this is 1922. Even, this is even crazier. Texas against Alabama is seven one and one all time. <laughs> That's the best winning percentage among teams that have played them at least five times. I can't believe they've only played nine times. They've got an 8.33 winning percentage against the Tide. Well, that's going to... No, that'll change, change this weekend, yeah. very well, likely. Maybe. It could be positive, could be negative. You never know. Very likely. <laughs> uh, but, you know, uh, when, it, when it comes to the fact that this is not a conference game, uh, you know, Sark was asked, you having to remind your guys that, hey, this isn't a conference game. I, I don't really think like that. You know, I don't, I don't think about what's ahead or what's down the road. I don't think about what's happened. I'm, I'm more about what are we doing right now, right? Let's focus on today. And let's focus on this game. And, and when we focus on this game is, you know, how are we preparing for this game today? Then we'll worry about tomorrow. Because ultimately, there's things in games we can't control. You know, I, I can't control if it's a delay game in the game and it gets called or doesn't get called. What we can control is our ability to execute, our ability to play a brand and a style of football that we're proud of, that, that in my opinion is Texas football. And then... The game goes away however it's going to go. But if we got to make sure we're putting our best foot forward so that whatever the score reads, man, we get in that locker and we're proud of the way we played the game. And like I told the team this morning, I felt it Saturday night after the game. I told the team this morning as a head coach of our football team, I was proud of the way we played the game Saturday night. We were fast. We were tough. We were physical. We were smart. We were not perfect. But it was the style of play that made me proud of the way that we played the game. And that's what I'm looking for again Saturday. The, the result will end up being the result, whatever it's supposed to be. Uh, but if I can ultimately say I'm proud of the way we played, then we've probably given ourselves a chance to do something. Big chance to do something. And that's all he really can say. Big, you know, big chance Win or something. lose, he's still, depending on how they perform, you know, as long as they don't lose by 50, he can say, well, even maybe, you know, I guess you can cover the spread. And he'll be happy. I don't know what would make him unhappy or unproud of how they played. I don't feel like they're going to play horrible against them. No. But this is a young team, so we don't know how they're going to play. I really think they need to lean on B. John Robinson here a lot. I know they're sure. supposed to have a really good run game, but you know that he is ready to dominate this game and wants to show out for his final season. So 
heavy dose of Bijan Robinson will probably do wonders for well, this here's game. How, here's how he uh, mentally prepares for games like this. Just like how I prepare for everybody. Uh, I know that most teams who I play against, who we play against, you know, they're, they're always trying to stop the run. And, you know, for me, I just got to, you know, go in there with the mindset of, of dominating, you know, and let God take over the rest. And, and hopefully I, I can turn out healthy and that the whole team comes out on top, you know, for, for that week. And what's his, what's his game plan? They have a game plan too, but but that's why we're game planning as much as we can and as hard as we can to to understand that we we have plays, advantage plays over them that that we want to execute. And you know, running the ball is important in this game. Um, you know, they have a really good run stopping defense. So you know, for us, you know, we need we need to do everything in our power to to get past that you know, whenever we have our, whenever we have the opportunity. So on paper. Uh, most of the edge has got to go to Alabama, right? If not all of it. However, I think one of the big parts, uh, uh, one of the big parts of this game that that Texas certainly has the advantage in is the psychological edge and knowing that they've got far less to lose mm-hmm. on Saturday yeah. than the Crimson Tide to. That's a big deal too. Uh, they entered the season; the Horns did unranked, unheralded after losing seven games last year. Uh, Alabama enters obviously Saturday's matchup as the national title favorite, head and shoulders above the competition. Uh, with their preseason accolades come national championship expectations, though. Right, right. Crimson Tide will have to; they'll get some of the benefit of the doubt if maybe they lose one game. Uh, but they're going to face much stiffer competition than Texas to finish out the season. Uh, the stated goal for Texas, as you heard from Coach Sark, there is is a Big Twelve championship. Right, that's his focus, and for that reason, the fact that they're far and away from national national title contention. Longhorns can really play a very focused, very confident game here and focus on these in-game adjustments that, that Sark was talking about But you know, before uh, we kicked off the season. Things like that I, I think are going to be a really big deal against a team like the, the Crimson Tide. And sports psychologists will tell you, you know, somewhere between stress and, stress and lethargy is that real sweet spot, that optimal level of energy where players really can perform at their best. You know the difference between... Extraordinary and ordinary. What's that? It's that little extra. A little extra. I like that. <laughs> I like that. It's true, man. It's uh, right there. So the it's challenge, right little extra, is right there for them. It's it's really going to be. Uh, you you would expect this to bring out a different level of, of mental mental focus for the horns, physical energy on top of all that. But the fact that the game has no real bearing on anything, you know. For the horns. I'm sorry. I'm still. I'm still laughing that I got to quote the movie Waiting just now. <laughs> oh, is that what you did? Man, <laughs> yeah. You just. Uh, you. You completely. I, I obviously have not seen Waiting. Yeah. Oh man, you're 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 a former service industry guy, right? You'd love that. The extent of my service industry minus uh, a couple of years working in a coffee shop. I don't know if you. If, but oh, the, I've done the that. extent yeah. of my service industry experience includes two weeks as a host at Bennigan's. Down there on uh, Riverside and Barton Springs, which I don't even think that store's there anymore. I don't, no. I don't think Bennigan's is around. Yeah, there. they've been gone for a while. Uh, but yeah, this was 1998. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Uh, okay, so fair that enough. Was, that was the extent of my service. I still think you'd enjoy the film. I probably would enjoy it's the pretty, film. It's so stupid and funny. It's fantastic, full of great actors. I would absolutely not, though, enjoy going back to doing any jobs in the service industry. Yeah, no, I'd like to you. own one one day. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that. Yeah, I could own a place. I don't know if I ever go back anything less than like a GM, but that's because I have 16 years worth of experience under my belt. In the service industry? Yeah. That's how much experience I have in radio. I don't want to go back. I've got 10 years in radio experience too, so I'm doing okay. You got on the work. No, maybe not 10 years. That's that's pretty close. 26 years. That's pretty close. So you started working when you were like Yeah, no, I guess you're right. Yeah, yeah. 
No, I started work, I started unofficially working when I was 10, but <laughs> I was off the books helping at my dad's place. Anyway. Anyway. So back to this horns talk here. I, as we talked about yesterday, and I'm sure that you've heard or seen all over social media, uh, while Quinn Ewers was doing uh, big things Saturday night, his car was getting towed. <laughs> it was a pretty funny tweet. You yeah. know, he's like, how, how did I get towed? Well, playing a game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so... There's been a lot of uh, a lot of pushback uh, against the University of Texas and, the, and their transportation. And look, they've got a real reputation for writing you a ticket. Oh yeah, I mean, oh yes, you know, uh, they're, they're, I haven't yet, but I've heard there are three three constants in life: death, taxes, and parking tickets on the University of Texas campus. Right. right? I've been blessed to never have to drive to campus to go see a game or a concert. It's been nice. Yeah, you really have been blessed. Yes, man. Free parking. Well, Coach Sark was asked about this kind of w- what he thought about yours and uh, getting towed. Uh, during the game there. <laughs> he's got to park where he's supposed to park. That, that wasn't where he was supposed to be parking on game day. Damn right. Listen to Now this. I want to know where he parked because I want to know if he was just being entitled. Dude, throw a dart that, at that, a map that, and you'll hit a place that's that you're going to get towed from know, around man, campus. But, ah, that bothers me a bit because you wonder if if it was really just like a mental lapse or he really thought that he could just get away with it because he's maybe everyone on campus knows who he is and knows what he drives. That and they're Aston not. Martin he drives? Does you know what he is? drives an Aston? It's a burnt orange Aston Martin. And I don't know if that's what got towed, but I'll tell you, I wouldn't, be be, I wouldn't be parking a car like that anywhere near the UT campus. Ever. Ever. Same with, like, Ever. I know, know Bijan's humble with his Lambo, but the same situation. But, like, why, yeah, now I want to know more. Why did he park there? Where did he park? What? I want to know. I need to know more. I need yeah. to figure that. I need to get down to the bottom of this. Just go ahead and take a Cat Metro bus uh, to, the, to the stadium on Saturday, Quinn. Might be a better opportunity. He probably for you. doesn't even need to do that. Protect those nil assets yeah, that you've man. got that all of us are drooling over, like your Aston Martin. Now yeah. I wonder if uh, the school actually did help him with that, or if he just was forced to pay for that. Whatever you know, whatever he did on his own because he clearly messed up and knew he wasn't supposed to do that, yet did it anyway. So we don't have the full top uh, AP top twenty-five poll out yet, but we do have some predictions and some rankings. Uh, this according to uh, College Football News. And your Texas Longhorns are back on this list, this projection. Not very far down the list. Yeah. Number 25 on the list, but nevertheless. Where were they? They were 27th or 28th in the, in the official rankings when they first came out. So I believe it was somewhere right around there. Not rated in the 25. I mean, they showed out on Saturday. They, they proved that they're a good team. So. 52-10, that'll, yeah, that'll buy you at least will, a, a 25 slot. Absolutely. That'll give you, you know, this little taste. Like, are they really good or are they not? We'll figure it out. And that's, that's where they found themselves. Uh, there are... Look, looking down the list, uh, you got to go a ways before you find somebody else in the Big 12. Number nine, Oklahoma State Cowboys. Uh, you got Baylor at eight, Oklahoma Sooners at seven, and then the A&M Aggies uh, at number six. One of the you know who didn't have a good weekend? Notre Dame. No, the Pac-12. Oh, the Pac-12. Our two supposed best teams, or two out of two out of three, the two of them just got rocked. Looked awful. Yeah. I'm sorry. Utah had no business being the number 7 team and losing like that in Florida. I know they got it, they kept it close, but they did not look like the number 17. I know they dropped down to 15. I think they should have been dropped out. I don't have any hope for them. Oregon, please, man. I I I want to eventually so give you there. the benefit of the doubt, but my god, you looked pathetic. Where were they supposed to be ranked? Where is this? They're where are they now? They're they're 21. So they dropped 11 spots. Off that loss. 
Good Lord. Well, they were 11th last week? No, they dropped 11 spots to to 21. Oh, I thought they were number 11 last week. Okay. I don't know. Maybe they were. Pretty yeah, sure they were. I think you're right. Which they were. They, which, yeah, no, they didn't drop mean, 11. This is what they were last week. That would sure. still mean 11 ranked yeah, ball, though. Yeah. So, or 10. They would be 10. 10, 10 yeah. But nevertheless, just we're supposed to, you know, we're supposed to want to entice teams to come to that conference. And I don't know what's going to happen. I hope they're going to disband. But that was just pathetic. Those uniforms aren't enough to entice guys to go over to Oregon? They are, unfortunately. Those absolute eyesores. I mean, I don't know who they're recruiting, because I don't know what they were thinking on that game plan, because that was just ridiculously bad. And I know Georgia's good. I get it. And I know uh, Bo Bo Hicks, or whatever his name is, who was at Auburn and couldn't beat Georgia to save his life, and it just completely, once again, showed his true colors. What's he going to do for the rest of the season? Now everyone's going to think that they're they got, you know, confident that they can beat Oregon at this point. So, and I hope that's true. You know what? I hope that's true. Yeah. I don't know what I'm ranting for at this point. I'm just I'm just annoyed that the Pac-12 can never prove to be the conference it once was. So they need to get rid of it. I would say one of the big losers obviously this is just a poll projection here, not the official AP25 rankings, but if it comes right. out anything like this, say one of the bigger losers is also Notre Dame. Not only out of the top five, out of the top ten, number eleven on this list. Uh, that's not that. That's not that bad. I mean, you're still, well, you're, listen, still you're still, you're still right were, there on the edge. I thought they were already overrated at number five. Yeah, you know, going into yeah, the season. Definitely. So we'll see. Yeah. But uh, I, I expect them to continue to to fall a little bit more before maybe settling around 15, 16, something like that. I don't think they're nearly as good as they were given credit for. The ghost and of Brian Kelly is going to hang with them for a while. The go- yeah, yeah. Because he still has his players there. Yeah. You know, he abruptly left them. So. Yeah. Well, we got more on the way. Uh, a little college football power rankings, some college uh, or some Cowboys talk, some Texans talk, and, oh, that MLB talk that Brandon and I love so much. Yeah, baby. That and more on the way here on the bullpen. The Bullpen with Patrick and Brandon on 1027 ESPN. Oh, yeah. The Tuesday edition of the Bullpen. Brandon Elkins, Patrick Osborne here on this uh, Tuesday afternoon. Live. Post-Labor Day and live. Edition. Live yes. and loving it. Man, this it's is... good to be back live. There's something, there's something about live radio, you know. A lot of times people are like, oh, well, you know, I do a podcast. I'm like, well, that's great, man. I, I'm sure it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing like live radio. It's pretty great. There, there is an energy that courses through live radio. You don't also, get, you we don't, don't have to be podcast. forced to be in a small room, tight, small, tight room recording. No, we get forced to be in a small, tight room going live. This one's a little bigger, at least. Uh, only just. Come on, man. I'm trying Listen, to think. I'm, not I'm trying to find the positives here. All right? I'm not complaining, man. I'm just happy to be back. <laughs> Let me just tell you, this room smells a lot better than our last studio that we were using. Yeah. Our ESPN studio. Yeah. Get a little funky in there. A little bit. Although, uh, I think that fan is helping. That fan is certainly spread, helping spread regardless. some of the, uh, the, the <laughs> funk around, so to speak. Uh, so mm, what a show. Wrapping up our college football talk here, just with a little bit of uh, week one power rankings. I know you love the power ranks, Brandon. I know you're a huge fan of them. Uh, As, uh, looking for the right word there. I can't, I can't find the right word. You don't buy into honestly, them Honestly, not this early in the season. Yeah, I mean, sure. look, my Mariners are top 10 in the power rankings in the MLB, and I could give a crap. I don't care. That's not going to – that's going to – I mean, it, that's going to – those change every week. So Spoken I don't follow Mariner that fan. until I see what it is at the end of the year because I'm ready for us to fail. That's what I'm used to. 
Well, you I are can't the, believe they're number. I actually you are just the Mariners, noticed they are number eight today in the power ring. That's great, man. What is I, up with that? Listen, they've earned that. I mean, they, I know, they, they got, looked good. Lance lately. Lynn dominated them last yeah. night. It was bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they got close. They came back. Look, they're a fighting team. All right, bring it on, Astros. We'll see you in the uh, ALCS. So week one college football slate loaded with top-tier matchups to officially kick off the season over the weekend while ushering fans back into stadiums and onto message boards. So as we know, some games lived up to the hike, uh, the hype, mm-hmm. rather. You know, uh, Notre Dame, Ohio State, for for example, pretty good game there for at least for about three quarters. And but uh, Alabama, Bryce Young once again looking unstoppable. Utah fell there in the swamp. Uh, USC put up some big numbers, and uh, you know, game one of the Lincoln Riley era. Uh, Brian Kelly's LSU lost a game unlike any other really to Florida State. That was a heartbreaker for Kelly. You know, Brian Kelly doing Brian Kelly things. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but on this uh, Shocking. week one of the uh, early, early college football power rankings, number one on the list is uh, Georgia, the Georgia Bulldogs, not the Alabama Crimson Tide. Of course, their uh, next game, Saturday against Samford. Uh, two on the list is Alabama. I mean, that makes sense because Georgia played a hot, quote unquote, tougher, team. tougher opponent yeah. and they made them look silly. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but we'll we'll see what happens with with the Georgia this year. But uh, I think all eyes are really on on number two, the Alabama Crimson Tide, yeah. and their game on Saturday against Texas. Uh, rounding out the top three, you've got Ohio State, Oklahoma, and uh, Michigan Wolverines. You got to go a long way down to find uh, Texas on this list. Number seven on the list of these power rankings are the Texas A&M Aggies, followed by the Baylor Bears. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you got to jump around a little bit more. Number thirteen, the Miami Hurricanes. Clemson is at number twelve. Uh, still looking. Number 17 is where you'll find the next uh, Big 12 in Oklahoma State. The fun, aggressive Oklahoma State offense is back. That sounds fun. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, actually, uh, against Central Michigan on Thursday night, Spencer Sanders became the second player in Big 12 history to throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns and rush for two scores uh, in a single half. The only other person in Big 12 history to do it, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, so he's in good company there. Salute and good luck to you, ASU. Right. It's going to be brutal. Yeah, not going to work out well. Not going to work out very well for you. Further down the list uh, is where you'll find the Texas Longhorns at number 23. Of course, Quinn Ewers' uh, Longhorns debut started uh, a bit rough with that intersection on pass number two. But he, I think he kind of needed to do that, though. I, do too. I think he just needed to get the first one out yep. of the way. Not like he meant to do it there. But that that really helps calm the nerves once you finally get yep. that turnover that you've been dreading to have happen. And thank God second, it came on the second play. Of the yeah, because you know he's got the right mindset to to move on from that, especially that early in a game. Two hundred and twenty five passing yards. Uh, he executed executed That's, mostly a, sa- a safe plan. He allowed teammates like Jatavian Sanders and Jordan Whittington to do most of the work. Uh, but you know, I, I mean, he he, he pretty good game. I don't care who you're playing. That's his first real college football start, and he looked good, mm-hmm. and that is encouraging. He looked fantastic. He he is poised. He is calm. I I gotta believe that he he'll be ready next week. How could you not be po- poised and calm when you drive an Aston Martin and you're Man, a college I'm student? You, Come on, Florida State, Tennessee, rounding out the top twenty-five in the power rankings, and that is your week one power ranks. You heard it here first on the thanks bullpen. ESPN. Let's yes, see where indeed. they look next week. So from the uh, college gridiron to the pros now, and uh, the uh, Cowboys are getting ready for their big uh, season opener against the Bucks this weekend on Saturday. And as we mentioned yesterday, the Cowboys have officially signed veteran tackle Jason Peters, although they're not planning on having him, having him on the field on Sunday night against the Bucks. But uh, uh, Cowboys owner Jerry Jones made a stop on 105.3 The Fan up in Dallas. He says the signing allows the team to really be in a much more manageable shape at left tackle. 
And he stressed the need to take things really slowly with Peters after he was away from football for an entire offseason. Sure, he that says, makes sense. We just want to be prudent and recognize this isn't his first year. In other words, we've, we've got to ease him along. Uh, but Jones says that Peters' playing time is going to really going to be determined on uh, by how he looks in practices and how by rookie Tyler Smith looks in his first regular season action. Right. Where's that lighter? Yeah. Lighting the fire. Lighting the fire, indeed. Yep. Uh, Jones says uh, he thinks Peters' experience is going to help Smith make the transition here through the NFL smoothly, and the process will begin in earnest in the days leading up to the matchup with Tampa on Sunday. If if Smith is smart, he will be attached to the hip of Jason Peters. Yeah. Because he's been there, done that. He's he's a Hall of Famer. Why would you not want to pick his you know pick his brain every second of the day and get heed the advice of such a great player at yeah. one point? And 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 you've got him sort of in the reserves, so to speak. If yeah. you if you absolutely need to tap him, you got him there too. Yeah, and he may play. He may play in a different spot where you we know, could see that. Yeah, yeah. You never know. Yeah. So so uh, I, I do you have any uh, you have any early predictions on on how you think the ha- the Cowboys are going to fare against you know, the, the Buccaneers on Sunday? I honestly completely forgot that Did football you? starts this week because we've been so focused on the Longhorns and yeah. that's all we've been talking about. I mean, yeah. how great is that though? We're, we're we're talking about Longhorns and almost forgetting about the Cowboys. A very exciting season here in, in Austin already. Yeah, and honestly, to be honest with you, I've I've been more thinking about the Monday night football game because yesterday it came out that <laughs> my Seahawks are going to wear their action green jerseys oh, on Monday God. night against Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos coming to Seattle. Blind everybody. Uh, I I really I I really expect the Cowboys to be pretty mediocre this year. I do too. That's where I'm thinking. I think that if they play up to some of the potential that they have and they stay relatively healthy and not too injury prone, they could over, you know, overplay what we expect them to be overachieve, so to speak. You know, it's it's weird to say that about an NFL team because, you know, that's the highest sure. point you get to in your profession. Sure. But it just they're not as good as they were last year. They lost players. They didn't they didn't, you know, reload in the offseason like we all expected them to. They are much weaker at wide receiver position, that which should are. be number one yeah. priority for them, besides their offensive defensive line. So I don't know what to expect. I, I don't expect them to be anything better than five hundred or maybe a little bit better than that. So you single digit wins could this this year. Is it possible? Yeah. Is it likely I'm expecting 10 wins from them this year? That was my original And, and I hate guess. to say that that's mediocre, but it kind of is for this cow, for a Cowboys team that yeah. should be much better. But I feel like their defense could honestly be a little bit better than the, it was last year. So A lot of questions in the Cowboys yeah, defense, that, I think, still. At this point, and you, the it's hard to expect them to be a playoff team, especially when, you waste, when you're wasting Dak's career. And I don't know if you're wasting Zeke's career at this point. I don't even know if he'll be on the team after this season. Yeah. But... It it man for for what they're for where they should be with a type of cal- the caliber of team that they have, they should be a whole lot better. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, and we'll and we'll see. But it's hard to it's hard to expect them anything better than mediocre this year. Yeah, I, I don't I don't expect anything more than uh, than ten wins, and that's 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 a good. I feel like yeah, that would be that may be slightly overachieving this year. I think that would be. But you have you still have Dak. He can sling the ball so. I mean, he may have to put this team on his shoulders, and you know, he could, he can carry this team if he needs to. We just, we haven't seen that yet, so we don't quite know. Yeah, I, I predict a loss on Sunday, and uh, nine or ten wins for the season, even at home, even yeah, at home, absolutely. Think, okay, yeah. yeah. 
I mean, I know the Bucks are kind of in a bit of a rebuilding moment, and of course they've got the the most geriatric man in all of NFL. Yeah, you know, calling the signal caller for him, but, but he's still a Super Bowl caliber I mean, player. Yeah, yeah, he he's he's like the Albert Pujols of of you know. Yeah, he's an old man in terms of of the league, and yet he's better than most even now. Sure. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I expect a loss to kick off the Cowboys season. But even in saying what I said, you know, Week One is a different kind of beast. Because everyone's nervous, it's the first game. Sure. You're going to probably make some bonehead mistakes that you won't make in sure. week 11 or, or 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 before that. So I want to give the benefit of the doubt to, to this team, especially because they did it in Tampa Bay last year. So we'll see. We'll see. We're only days yeah. away. It's just, yeah, we're, yeah, that's true. We are. We're days away. A handful of days away. Now over in Houston, the Texans were needing to add another tight end. And uh, they did so with the signing of former Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Buffalo Bills tight end O.J. Howard. That's a good sign. Yeah, that's that, a good it, sign it really for them. is. A former Alabama product uh, joins a group that includes veterans like Pharaoh Brown, second-year Brevin Jordan. Uh, and uh, head coach Lovey Smith says the idea behind getting Howard was to have another good player at the position. You know, He says you're always trying to add good players. Simple as that. He says O.J. is a good player, a lot of talent there. Uh, he says he's excited to be there. Uh, and uh, Smith got a chance to see him on the practice field uh, the other day yesterday. Uh, so that's a spot that they've uh, talked an awful lot about, and adding some depth, depth that tied in there, being able to pick up a player like that uh, late in the game uh, like this, he says is pretty important. I really want Houston to overachieve this year. I because do too. I'm I such always a, do. Yeah, I'm such a big fan of Lovey Smith. I feel like he's the right guy for the job. I feel like he can get this team back to prominence. He's done it before. So I just I, I, I really want to see them start doing well. And it'll be better for the NFL and Texas if Houston starts playing, you know, to a better caliber of football, even a little bit. The Texans uh, have have been known to be a very likable team to watch, an enjoyable team to watch when they play well. The problem is they're never, ever, ever consistent. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. They've not had a consistent season ever. Well, they have. I take that back. They've had consistently bad seasons. Yeah. But they've never had a consistently great season. They've sniffed greatness. You know, but yeah. they've never really tasted it. Sure, and that's what that city needs. And I, I think you're right. It would be great for the whole state if they did well. Lovey Smith is is a, is a real guy. Like, is he he keeps it real. He he doesn't you know mince words. He's direct. So I'm I'm hoping that is you know the little spark they may he may bring a little spark that they need to potentially overachieve. Which look, that's not going to make the playoffs probably, but it it's progress, and that's what we're looking for, and that's what you want with a brand new head coach progress yeah i mean that's 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 all you could ask for yeah that's all you could ask for uh speaking of houston uh did you get a chance to see hunter brown make his start last night on the mound for the astros uh i did not so what you've got over there in houston right now is basically an embarrassment of riches Mm. you've got i mean the astros have six starters that almost any team in the majors would absolutely drool over and yeah. they're starting pitching ERA, best in the American League at 3.04. And they've been employing six starting pitchers pretty much all year long. That's right. That's so now you've good. got you've got Verlander, who's out with that calf injury. And so they bring in this, this new up-and-coming prospect, Hunter Brown. And, oh, my God, he looked great. <laughs> he looked fantastic. He just turned 24 years old. He threw a three-hit, six-inning shutout with remarkable poise and really surprising control. The thing about... The, the issue with his control is that he, he's been known uh, as a he's great velocity, just some downright nasty fall-off-the-table kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But his Achilles heel was supposed to be his command. 
And that is not what we saw last night from this kid. He looked fantastic. He st- his whole career started out very auspiciously. First inning, he struck out Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager in the first two batters he faced. Then he retired his first eight batters. He struck out four, finally gave up a hit uh, later on uh, after that. Uh, and it was just, I mean, he, he just looked incredible. Had a couple of shaky spots. But he held he held uh, the the Rangers scoreless. Not the hardest thing to do in baseball, but sure. it's your first. I mean, you have some good hitters on that team. Yeah, you do, you do. Uh, he escaped trouble a couple of times, once in the fourth, once in the fifth. Um, but he came out on top. His line was pretty pretty great. Six complete innings, uh, no runs, three hits, one walk, five strikeouts. Yeah, this kid, this kid looked great. I mean, and you have your first one to nothing win by the Astros this season. Yeah, which is. When I saw that this morning, I was kind of shocked to see that they won one to nothing. You don't see that from an Astros squad to only score one run, pretty right. much. But this, to me, means that we won't see Justin Verlander the rest of the season. Why would you need him? Why do you, you don't need him for October? Exactly. This was this was a wait. This was a wait and see how he does kind of moment before you figure out what you want to do with Verlander. Mm-hmm. And holy crap, if this is what he's going to show now. I mean, you're not gonna. You don't want Verlander to start at all no. the rest of the season. Let him relax. He will that be path. game one, and then he'll even have extra time because they're gonna get the bye. Right. So you're gonna you're about to give the best pitcher in baseball like a month's rest, or even longer probably, uh, to be ready for the playoffs. And now you have this this kid who just comes out of nowhere and dominates a really good Rangers team. I mean, they're not they're not really good, but they have really good hitters in Simeon Garcia. And uh, 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 Corey, Seager. Corey Seager, yeah, yeah. and I mean, he struck out two of the three of them. To to blank a team like that is still really difficult to do, especially when you're a rookie. And right. Yeah, the Rangers are that kind of team that they, they they've got a lot. Free swingers. Of, they've got a lot of the the pieces of the puzzle. Yeah, but they're all like pieces a, to different puzzles. They're a mess. Yeah, they need pitching. But this kid Brown, I mean, you know, again, you talk about that command that that, that they were concerned about in the scouting. Fourteen of 21 first strike pitches, uh, first pitch strikes, I should say. Uh, through almost seventy-one percent of all of his pitches thrown were for strikes. Uh, Dang! So he, I mean, he looked good. Yeah, you know, Rangers made a couple of good, con- uh, good bits of contact against him. But I don't know. Uh, I, if you're if you're an Astros fan, this kid Hunter Thompson is something to watch. I, I just mm-hmm. mark my words on that. He's going to be great, and you're going to want your Astros to hang on to this kid. Yeah, look, you're probably going to see him maybe one or two more starts the rest of the year, and I I, I would have to think if he. Does this again? Those two, the next couple starts or whatever he does, you'll see. You'll probably see him in the rotation next year. I don't see why you wouldn't. Yeah, not not with a start like that. So much for rookie jitters, huh? You got to show none of it. He he probably didn't have to think. You know, you're going up against a free swinging Rangers team. Just be throw. you. Just just throw it. Just play catch with your catcher is what they say, right? Just play catch, and we'll take care. And the defense takes care of the rest. Yeah. Yeah. And they sure as hell did. That they did, my friend. That they did. Uh, baseball history on the horizon. Aaron Judge approaching that elite 60 home run mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, one step closer to that now with another homer yesterday. 54 on the year. That one coming against Minnesota. It, dude's had uh, just an unbelievable season at the plate. 302, he's been batting 117 ribbies. Really one of, you could argue, the only reason right now that uh, – the Yankees are on their way into October. He's carrying them. Yeah, there, he, there's he nobody else them. but him. Uh, also, on the verge of making Yankees history, he needs only eight more dingers to break Roger Maris' 1961 record of 61 homers in a season. That mark has stood for more than 60 years. It's also an American League single season record for yeah. home runs. I have a feeling it's going to stay. 
You don't think he's going to hit that 61? I don't think they're going to pitch to him the rest of the uh, season. Well, there is that. Yeah. There is that. He may get a couple. you don't want to be that pitcher. He's going to get one or two good pitches all the rest of the season, I guarantee it. Or at least every at-bat, if that. He's going to get yeah. intentionally walked a ton. There, I mean, no one wants to be the one to give up 60 home runs against this guy. No one wants to be the one to give up sixty-two, the 62nd home run against him because that's history right there. Sure. And that your team and pitcher is part of history for the rest, you know, Forever, yeah. so yeah. I have a feeling he's going to get a lot of crappy pitches the rest of the season because it's almost yeah, I didn't over. Think about that, but you're right. That's that that very well could happen. Yeah, and he may sit more games than not, you know, because regardless of the record now, well, I guess you know probably not because the the Rays are creeping up on them in the division. So yeah, they're just kind of coming yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. Every year you want to count the Rays out, and then they tell you why you shouldn't. They show you why they shouldn't. I feel bad for the Rays because nobody because cares on the, the in that team. Yeah. Or nobody cares in that city. When you got twenty five thousand people showing up at your at your home stadium, and eighteen thousand of them are rooting for the the visitors, <sighs> yeah, you got a problem. That's you got a problem in Tampa. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, so. We'll, we'll see what happens here with Judge. Uh, another game up tonight against Minnesota and tomorrow as well. He'll be facing Joe Ryan tonight. In saying that, I'd love to see it. You know, I didn't. we haven't seen a home run chase. It's not really a chase, but it's, I guess it's the chase of history here because uh, nobody else is even close to behind, behind him. But it, we haven't seen this in a while, so it'll be fun to keep an eye on. Absolutely. And see if be. he does it because it's, it's history. So Also in the world of baseball last night. Strike three called. Clemens with a fist pump as he strikes out Shohei Otani. <laughs> keep the ball. He wants to keep the ball. That's right. You heard that. Edmonds <laughs> struck out Shohei Otani, but it was not, not the Ed old Clements. man. It was not Ed Clemens. Not Ben Clemens. Not old man Roger Clemens with his right. 4,672 strikeouts. No, we're talking about his son, Cody Clemens. His infielder son, his infielder Cody son. Clemens. Yeah. Yes. You uh, know it's bad when... The infielders are pitching in a game. Who basically struck out one of the greatest hitters in baseball right now on a 68.4-mile-an-hour mi- EFIS. That's that's pretty much what he threw. Did you see it? At Ota- yeah. <laughs> it just, I think, just floated up over for, the plate. For an infielder, you would expect to have a better throwing motion than that. I mean, he just lobbed it up there. What was he thinking? Well, I don't think... I mean, he, it worked, but damn. I don't think he was really expecting much. And you know you're in a bad spot when you're rolling out a position player onto the mound. You yeah. Know, already you're coming in in a bad situation if that's the case. Yeah. But he, uh, it was a real moment of levity because the, the, the Tigers got their asses kicked. 10-0 last night by the, by the Angels. Uh, you wonder what it could have been if Mike Trout stayed just relatively healthy for the Angels this year. I mean, even when he he was healthy when they were on that bad losing streak. So, I, you know, what a weird team. It's just one of those cool baseball moments, though. Yeah, you know? yeah, So he, he is now, uh, what is it, 4,671 strikeouts behind his old man. He's well on Keep his way. Keep it going, Cody. You Come can on, do Cody. it, man. We, we know you can Keep do playing it. on a crappy team, and you'll get more chances <laughs> to pitch. But, you know, of all the people to, to record – not only your first strikeout, but your first strikeout as a non-pitcher. Right. Against Shohei Otani. Good for you. I mean, Hook him horns. You know, you got to love baseball. How could you not He's be a romantic horn. about baseball? So good for you. Right? To quote Billy Bean, how could you not be romantic about baseball? Because it's beautiful. I mean, you know, they call soccer the beautiful game in other parts of the world. I beg to Baseball's differ. better. I beg to differ. That's going to do it for us here for the day. Uh, just real quick, Live Golf halfway done with its inaugural season. Top money getter. Dustin Johnson at $7.7 million mm. uh, through four events. 24 golfers have learned to earn at least a million dollars playing in live events. Uh, and there's a whole lot more money to be earned. Can I give them my number? Look, yeah. I can I can shoot at 80 or 90 for you and be that crappy player at the bottom to save other players from embarrassment. 
I grew up at Bring Lake. it on. You don't have to I, pay me a million dollars. I grew up on dollars. the golf courses of Lakeway, and I've never shot an 80 in my life. 80, 84 is my best. That's going to do it for us in the bullpen. We'll see you tomorrow.